0: I'd like you to turn in the Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15. And a question for you. I think that most, if not all of you, have children and uh, grandchildren and maybe some great-grandchildren. So I'd like to ask the question, how far would you go And to what extreme would you go to save them? To save them. To to ensure that they come to know the Lord as their Savior, have the Lord in their lives. Today's message comes out of the section here in the the book of Matthew where we have a, a mother. Concern for her little girl, and she demonstrates the tremendous gift of faith. And this passage is one that uh, has caused many people to be uh, come uncomfortable with how Jesus dealt with her and uh, some terms that he used. But as we go through this passage, you'll see that, of course, in his in his wisdom, the Lord always knows what uh, what he's doing. Pardon me, I'm just searching for my glasses here. <laughs> Alright, so let's uh, begin at uh, verse 21 in Matthew chapter 15. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her, Not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, Oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Let's pray. Father, we come to you again in the name of the Lord Jesus, and we ask that you you be our teacher. Speak to us, O Lord. Open our understanding, touch our hearts, that we might learn from this experience, that we might learn truths contained here in your Holy Word, and then apply those to our lives, to our hearts, that we might make a positive difference in the lives of not only our children, grandchildren, and family, but within the communities in which we live, in our state our nation, and in the world. Thank you, Father, for your holy word. Speak to us now, Lord, we pray. By your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so Jesus takes a journey to the West Coast. You know, when you use the term the West Coast, what are people thinking? Well, California, Oregon, Washington. But you know, there are other countries that have the West Coast as well. And... uh, he, uh, he took a trip to the West Coast uh, to what is today modern-day Lebanon to the port cities of Sidon and the Tyre. And I, I put their demographical differences. They were Gentile cities, referred to as uh, Phoenicians. And so she's referred to as a Syrophoenician woman. This uh, same account is provided over in the 7th chapter in the Gospel of Mark. It tells us there that Jesus actually went there in an attempt to have some time alone. You'll recall he had fed the 5,000 and he had had various encounters with the religious leaders and they didn't didn't see eye to eye and they, they continuously bombarded him. And basically um, tested him, etc., and rejected him. And so we see for the first time the Lord Jesus leaves the nation of Israel and actually goes into a Gentile region, the region of the Phoenicians in Tyre and Sidon. Now these are ancient cities. Ancient cities. It's estimated that uh, they've been around since about. 2000 B.C. Interesting, they're still there today, at least that, that particular region. And you'll recall that the Lebanon, uh, throughout the scripture, uh, the phrase that's used, the cedars of Lebanon, uh, these two mountain ranges that, that run uh, throughout the country from north to south, and a valley in between, and this, this beautiful forest of trees that uh, David used to build his palace with. He hired masons and, uh, and also uh, various uh, laborers to build the palace, and those uh, timbers were also used to build Solomon's temple, the first temple, and also the second uh, temple. And sadly, the, uh, as, as time passed, uh, various countries and uh, empires exploited the, the forest and uh, very little of it is left today. However, the trees that are left actually rival the, uh, the trees of uh, California. And right here on our own uh, Mount Charleston, this range, we have the bristlecone pine tree, which uh, is estimated to be somewhere between four and 5,000 years old. Some of those trees are still there in, uh, in, uh, in Lebanon. But Jesus goes to this, um, this area of the Gentiles and again, he went there to spend some time alone to rest up and to recuperate. But the Bible tells us that once they learned that he was there, of course, you know, the people followed him. And so he's approached by a woman in need. Now, very different from many... Women today, Cheryl was telling me uh, just the other day, we were on our walk, we take walks in the morning and sometimes in the evening. She was telling me how that she had read where uh, on one of the uh, the talk shows that these ladies were being uh, interviewed and they were talking about how wonderful it was that they were able to have abortions that they would not be able to have the life that they now live if they hadn't been allowed to have abortions. You know, and one of them had, had three. And uh, so the question is, uh, did they not know that, uh, that uh, birth control is free these days? But the idea that a woman would say that her life was so much better She was able to pursue a career because of the freedom to have an abortion. That's what our society has become. But this woman approaches Jesus, and she's in need. And what does she cry out? Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. She acknowledged him as the Messiah. The Jewish Messiah. And Jesus, of course, is the fulfillment of of all the prophecies proclaimed by the prophets of the Old Testament time. He is the coming one. And She says my daughter is severely demon-possessed. She knew what the problem was. She didn't make excuses. She knew what the problem was. You see there's this, this other problem that we have here in the United States. And that is, people unwilling to admit that their children have problems. Our nation is filled with spoiled young people. Wild and untamed. Undisciplined. I tell you, teaching over at the, the university, I, it became so burdensome. They put all of the all of the the responsibility on the teacher, the instructor. You know, the, the students don't do their homework, so they're about to be set there must be something wrong with you. They're not doing their papers, so you have to you have to make sure that each week you call them, you email them you text them and attempt to visit with them to ensure that they understand how to do the homework or if there's some issue, right, they, they're facing some issue and that's why they're not turning their homework. Well, I can guarantee you when I was going to school, <laughs> I didn't have anyone doing that for me. <laughs> and I dare say that you probably didn't either. That's not to say that a that an instructor shouldn't look out for the welfare of their students. Of course they should. But some students are undisciplined. They're unwilling to work hard. And we have a, a whole generation like that. Not Certainly not every young person is like that. There are some very, very hardworking and very industrious uh, young people. But all too often, you hear this in the news, you know, a kid murders someone. They interview the mother. Oh, he was a good boy, right? Oh, he was a good boy. I can't believe that he did this. Making excuses. Well, this lady didn't make any excuses. She said that her daughter was Severely demon possessed. And we know from the word that's used to describe God that's actually a little. Just a little, a little one. But notice Jesus doesn't respond. He remains silent. He just stands there. But the disciples, they they respond, don't they? I'll put it to you in the vernacular. They said, Lord, send this lady away because she's driving us nuts. She's getting on our nerves. Because it says over in Mark, if you read there, and Mark says it, she continuously cried out to him. And she continuously cried out. She was crying out. And they said, Lord... Send her away. (laughs) You remember like when the disciples came to Jesus and and they said, Look, it's late in the day. You need to send these people away so they can eat. And what did Jesus say? You feed. (laughs) You feed. Well, as a Gentile, you're probably wondering, Why did Jesus remain silent? As a Gentile, she had no claim on Jesus as the Messiah. No claim whatsoever. He came, as I said, in fulfillment of all the prophecies and as king of the Jews. His ministry was primarily to the house of Israel. There is an order in which God does things. God is very organized. And he came to the nation of Israel. And never forget this. You've heard the saying, salvation is of the Jews. God's intent, God's intent was to save the entire human race through the nation of Israel. And there are those who who teach this, uh, it's called the replacement theory, that the church has replaced Israel. That is not correct. The church does not replace Israel. Israel is Israel and the church is the church. As a matter of fact, the church includes both Gentiles and Jews. And we've we've said many times that the, the first century church consisted primarily of Jewish Christians. And there are those who say, well, that's an impossibility. A person can't be a Jew and be a Christian. Yes, it is. It is a possibility, it is a reality. Jesus was Jewish. And he's the founder of the church. And the apostles are all Jewish. And the Bible that we read is a Jewish writing, it's not American. Don't get that mixed up. Christianity came to us through Israel. And Jesus makes it very, very clear. She had no claim upon him as the Messiah. And you say, well, that's, that's kind of confusing because at the end of the Gospel, he tells the disciples to go out into all the world. There is an order. An order. And then, what is Jesus doing here? He's given this woman an opportunity to exercise faith. But there are some others here, the disciples, that he's also training. In the service, they called it OJT, on the job training, right? <laughs> and the disciples are, are getting OJT, on the job training and dealing with people from various backgrounds. So initially, they're exasperated. The woman's getting on their last nerve. Send her away. Send her away. Here's a question for you. When you see those people at the exits of the freeway or in the parking lots of the stores, You become exasperated with them. It's easy to do. But you know what is also very easy to do? You can pray. You can look at them from the perspective of heaven, from God's perspective, and pray for them. I was putting gas in the car last night, and I had gone inside, and then uh, when I was walking out, I had a strange request. man said, sir, do you have 12 cents? <laughs> 12 cents. But <laughs> a strange request, so I, I put my hand in my pocket, and, and I pulled out whatever change I had. I said, well, I've got 16, you can add that. <laughs> he said, oh, that's great. You know? But you know, The opportunities to minister, to love on people, are all around us. All around us. Now, the woman worships Jesus. It says that she came and she fell at his feet, worshiping him. Now, notice she says, Lord, help me. Help me. Help me. We said a moment ago that she had no claim on Jesus as the Messiah because he came as Messiah to the nation of Israel, the king of the Jews. But as Lord, he is in fact Lord of both heaven and earth. Lord of both the Jew and the Gentile. And Jesus was talking about what was lawful or legal or fitting in that sense. And then he says, "Has to do with bread and puppies." Here. Now, the word that's used there's a separate word in the Greek for dog, and then there's another word for little dog or for puppies. And you know, again, the theologians, the scholars, they argue back and forth over that, you know, on words. But what Jesus is describing here, he says, "The bread." Now, what is the bread that he's referring to? The bread is the message of the kingdom the message of the kingdom, the blessings of God. And remember that in the time that Jesus lived, the law was still in force. He was born under the law, and he fulfilled the law. The Bible does not teach that he came to destroy. No, he said he did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. So he lived by the law. And she accepted the condition and the circumstance. Notice he says, it's not fitting or it's not right to take the children's bread or the blessing, the favor that is intended for the nation of Israel and to then take from it and give it to the Gentiles. But she was (laughs) quick-witted. And she persevered. Oh, she's a tremendous example. She didn't give up. Now, question for you. How would you respond to someone calling you a dog? You see, because that is how, in that particular period of time, the Jews referred to the Gentiles. Especially to these who lived entire inside it. As a matter of fact, they thought the only thing that they were worthy of was that the wrath of God should fall upon them from heaven. That's how they felt toward these people from Tyre and Sidon. That's how they felt toward the Phoenicians. But notice, she knows this. And instead of being insulted, you follow This man's calling me a dog. She says, yes, Lord. She agrees. She says, yes, Lord. She doesn't stop there, but goes on to say, but even the puppies, even the little dogs, eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. What was she saying? She says, there's food enough to feed The children, Israel, like in a home, and the kids have enough to eat. As a matter of fact, they have so much to eat that the blessing overflows and falls off the table and the little puppies underneath are able to eat without the children missing out. You see that? Jesus gave her the opportunity to demonstrate both wisdom and faith. And he gave the disciples the opportunity for on-the-job training. She agrees. Now have you ever had a dog? Some of you have dogs (laughs) now. And anytime you're eating, right, (laughs) that he's right there. And that, that's all they know. Eat, eat, eat. <laughs> okay. Yes, indeed. But Jesus he compliments him. You know, out in the world, people say that the, the Bible is chauvinistic, that it maligns women. And yet, when I read my Bible... Over and over and over again, there are all these fabulous women who demonstrate tremendous faith to the Lord. As a matter of fact, they do things that the men are unwilling to do. The disciples are ready to you know to throw her away. And that's what the world does to people, isn't it? The world says, Stop, leave us alone get out of you. Jesus says, oh woman, great is your faith. In other words, you're not a dog. You're not a little animal. You're a child of God. And he goes on to say, let it be unto you as you desire. She was granted her heart's desire. She knew the condition of her child. She didn't make any excuses. And she knew that there was only one cure. And the cure had to come from God Himself. And she begs, she worships, and she prays, and she persists. An example, I'd like to quote Spurgeon here, in his sermon notes, and I quote, Spurgeon says, Unbelief, unbelief, is an alarming and criminal thing, for it doubts the power of omnipotence, the value of the promises of God, the efficacy of Christ's blood, the almightiness of the Spirit, the truth of the gospel. In fact, unbelief robs God of his glory in every way, and therefore it cannot receive a blessing from the Lord. God's people are to be people of faith. How else can a person be saved unless they exercise faith? So, what did we learn from this passage here? Well, all throughout the scripture, The Bible teaches very clearly that that faith is a gift of God. But that's not to say that it's God's fault if, if you don't exercise faith. Because all of life is a gift from God, is it not? Everything that we are that is good is a gift from God. All of life is a gift from God. The ability to think, to reason, to believe... To know Him, to make a living, it's all a gift of God. Faith is a gift of God. Now, when we're praying, delay does not mean refusal, but may be used to increase or improve one's faith. Notice that Jesus delayed in responding to the woman. She made a request and He didn't say anything. And isn't it true that sometimes you feel that way when you're praying? Why isn't God answering? Why isn't He responding? Why isn't He doing anything about this situation that I find myself in? Notice the lesson here. She continued to press him, And she engaged her faith. And faith must be engaged to produce the desired result. The Bible teaches... That when your life is pleasing to the Lord, when you're you're living the life that is pleasing to God, and your heart attitude is right, that God will grant to you the desires of your heart. Now really analyze that. It doesn't mean that He's going to give you or fulfill a desire that is inconsistent with His nature. But rather, when your desires are consistent with his desires, he will grant those to you. And we must approach the Lord in an attitude of humble worship. Notice when he said basically that the Gentiles are dogs, <coughs> unworthy of receiving the blessings of God, she so agreed. <laughs> she agreed what do you have today today we have arrogance and pride and unwillingness on the part of people to accept the truth that they are lost sinners now we happen to be saved sinners but sinners no less now we should be sinning less as we as we grow from day to day. The Bible teaches that we should be growing, growing in the full stature, right, according to the nature of the person of Christ. We should be growing and becoming more and more like Him. But to do so, we have to spend time alone with Him. But in the unbelieving world, there's this idea or a rejection, a refusal of the fact that that they're sinners. Unwilling to face the problem. Um, Lynn today at Sunday school mentioned that watching the news and all of the various crimes that are occurring. You never hear you never hear one of the announcers say, well, that's sinful. What they're doing is sinful. No, they'd rather blame everything on some politician, right? That's, that's easier. Well, it's so-and-so's fault. Well, it's so-and-so's fault. Well, the fact is, is that hearts are wicked and evil. And we must approach the Lord in an attitude of humble worship. She didn't get mad. She said, yes, Lord, she agreed. You know, when we repent, we, we are agreeing with God. When we repent, we agree with God. Yes, Lord, you're right, and I'm wrong. You're holy, and I'm sinful. And then we're to be specific in our requests and respectfully persevere. Specific. Very specific. It's really interesting. The guy asked for 12 cents. He got 16. You follow? And God is certainly far more gracious than that. Because as I was driving away, I was thinking, 12 cents? Really? I wonder what he needed 12 cents. You know? Maybe he'd gone in and, and it, you know, paid for all, all he had and he gave all he had and and the pump went over or something. But specific. She was very specific. She didn't go in there asking the Lord for a house on the hill, you know, and this and that, and all kinds of other things. No, her daughter needed to be healed. Why? Because she was demon-possessed. May I tell you, sadly, tragically, there are many in this country as as well as around the world, who are demon-possessed today. Roger mentioned that. He said, boy, you know, you turn the news on and you hear various things that that occur and these young people and the things that they're doing. I'm convinced that some of these young people are demon-possessed who are committing these acts. And they need to be healed. They need to be prayed for. And then we're to commune with the Lord. And this includes speaking and listening to Him. God speaks to us through His Holy Word. <clears throat> he speaks through us through nature. Through His creation. The Bible says, the heavens declare the glory of God. Amen? As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches that we can know Him from his creation. We can learn about him and his nature from his creation and from one another. Faith, we need to be genuine. We need to be earnest, honest, true, trusting faith that honors God. She received what she asked for. So here's another question for you. What do you desire for your children? What do you desire for your grandchildren? What do you desire for your dear and close friends? Are you willing to continue sharing the message of the gospel with them even though they may criticize you, and ridicule you, and argue with you, and fuss with you. The Bible teaches that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There are those who criticize Christmas, etc., or Christmas... It's another demonstration of the faithfulness of God. He sent his son. As the prophet said he would come, he came. He was born a baby. Imagine that. God in human flesh. And he lived a sinless life and gave his life upon the cross. Taking the penalty for our sin. Dying, being buried, yet coming back to life. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. The hymn of invitation is God's invitation to you. Now if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as Savior, He loves you. He loves you. And he's given his life for you, that you might have life, life in all of its abundance. And then there are some who have accepted the Lord as Savior, but they've never followed through in in believer's baptism. You have an opportunity to come and to do that. Or maybe you've been attending for a while, but you've never officially joined this, this church. Ask the Lord if he would have you to join today no need to put it off so let's stand please we're going to sing open my eyes and as we sing you come to the lord